This is the Joe and Amber Podcast. At this time tomorrow night, we won't be talking about showers. We're going to be talking about whether James Harden has opted into his $35.6 million player option or whether he's opted out and headed towards free agency. That doesn't necessarily mean, though, that he's set to leave Philadelphia. This is Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio and Sirius XM Channel 80, as always, presented by Progressive Insurance. No Joe, no Amber, but you've got Courtney Cronin and Mike Wells holding down the fort on this Wednesday evening on the eve of Decision Day for James Harden. We know that he is the key to everything in Philadelphia this free agency this offseason he is their main decision that they have to work around before they can figure out anything else and when it comes to should he stay should he go there's been some speculation out there that he might want to go back to Houston Mike I can't make a whole ton of sense to that sense of that but if he wants the most money it might not be a max deal but the Philadelphia 76ers are the only team that can offer him that four-year 213 million dollar contract no, uh, you, you're exactly right in that on that situation, Courtney. Here, here's a, my thing. My thought process on all this is: Does Nick Nurse take that head coaching job in Philadelphia if he did not believe the 76ers were going to be able to, you know, keep James Harden and basically be able to run it back one more time again and not have to essentially, you know, quote unquote, rebuild and put pieces around Joel Embiid. I you I have to think that Nurse when Nurse said I will become I will replace Doc Rivers as the head coach that they will try to run it back again because so so close in Philadelphia with that group. I mean we, we still remember the Kawhi Leonard, you know, three point shot that just hung up there and goes in. They go to seven games against the Boston Celtics. I think, you know, Philadelphia believes in my mind that they can try to run it back one more time with this group. If it doesn't work out, the whole process will have to become a new process in the land of Philadelphia. But, you know, with Harden, if he does opt out, how much do you want to get? Are you really going to give him that max deal? And I, I, I chuckle at the thought process of James Harden wanting to go back to Houston. James Harden ached his way out of Houston to go to Brooklyn prior to getting, you know, being moved to Philadelphia. So I, I just believe that nurses in Philadelphia thinking he's going to have that core group back to be able to compete against Miami, Boston, and Milwaukee next season in the, in the uh, Eastern Conference. They are not a better team without James Harden. I think we know that to be fact. He's coming off another season where he led the NBA in assist, and that's important when you have Joel Embiid play, coming off the best season of his career. He wins the MVP. He stays healthy by and large. But – James Harden is not the James Harden of old, the shooter that he was in 2018 and the years that he won MVP. He is no longer that guy, but that doesn't mean that he can't be vital and play a very pivotal role for your roster. Just at what cost? That's the question for the Philadelphia 76ers. Brian Windhorst, ESPN NBA insider, was on Greeny, and he thinks that the 76ers are way deeper in this than most people think. If they do give him the max, how many years? Because he can get four. I can't believe that they would give him four, but he could get it. That's where I'm sure he's going to start his ask at. And so they have Tyrese Maxey they got to deal with. Joel Embiid's contract hits the super max level this year. They got to do some maneuvering here. But I think the Sixers were not that far away. I'm seeing a lot of guys on our network drag on the Sixers. I don't think this team has to look at itself and say, oh my God, we need seven new players. They're potent, and I think keeping Harden is a huge part of what they they need to do. 
So James Harden last year took a pay cut. It was the one and one for him to you know, have the situation where he could hit free agency this year. Just because, like, let's say he opts out of $36.5 million, his player option, which is very likely the outcome. And mm-hmm. how this works, it's not like he has to announce it. They're just going to hit the deadline, which I believe is 4 p.m. Eastern time tomorrow. And if he hasn't told the team, hey, I'm opting in, we just expect he's opting out, he hits free agency. That doesn't mean that the Philadelphia 76ers won't be giving him a pay raise above that $36.5 million, which I know there's this conversation. Is he worth a max deal or is he not? You're not going to find many people who say, outside of James Harden and his representation, that he is worthy of that four-year $213 million deal that the Philadelphia 76ers and only the Philadelphia 76ers are able to offer him. But if you don't want to face a gap year where things could go horribly wrong, if James Harden leaves and go, they go somewhere and he goes somewhere else, if they can't go get Fred Van Vliet via sign and trade, if there isn't another point guard option that helps take this team where it was at in 2022-2023 and get a step beyond the Eastern Conference semifinals. If they have a year that is shy of expectations, Joel Embiid might could very well look at this and say, "Hey, I'm a big man. My career arc and where I'm at in my career, I have a shorter lifespan in the NBA than other positions. He could very well, a year from now, if this thing does not go according to plan, which would include James Harden, be looking and asking for something other than Philly. Oh, oh yeah, and, and that's why I think, you know, if James Harden is in control of everything, uh, if I'm Philadelphia, I'm looking at it as, okay, when the season starts, you're going to be 34 years old. Why would we want to give you a four-year max contract where you're going to be 38 years old. I'm going to try to play around with it and say, hey, let's do two years with a player option on year number three. Maybe you you have a great year and you try to, you know, land one more lucrative contract before you retire. Because if they run it back and things don't pan out, or if James Harden, you know, opts out as expected, goes somewhere else, and the 76ers take a step back, Joe Allen B is like, hey, we're wasting years off my career. I've won MVP. I could have won MVP in the past. I've been one of the best players. I need to get to a title contending team because just getting to the Eastern Conference Finals is not going to be good enough. So if you're the front office of Philadelphia, you're like, okay, we got to weigh our options on A, how much you want to give James, and what is it going to take to make sure that Joel Embiid is in our franchise for years to come? So he took a significant pay cut last year, as we talked about, and that allowed the Philadelphia 76ers to sign P.J. Tucker. They also traded for D'Anthony Melton. He's not going to be looking for any sort of hometown or you know home team discount here, whether it's with Philly or somewhere else. But the expectation, according to Brian Windhorse, is that James will remain in Philadelphia. The cost, the years, all of that is up for debate. Gina Mizell, Philadelphia Inquirer 76ers reporter, was on Freddie and Fitzsimmons last night and said the 76ers are probably going to have to jump through a couple hoops, get a little creative with a new deal that they would put onto the table for James Harden. A max deal is not in the cards. You know, everything that we've heard from, you know, the Sixers planners or they're planning for the offseason is that they're not going to do anything that's going to hinder them short term or long term as they try to maximize Joel Embiid's prime as he's coming off an MVP season. And so is that another like one plus one deal or a two year deal or is it something like the deal that Chris Paul signed with the Phoenix Suns a couple of summers ago where there's some options and some partial guarantees or some ways to maybe 
play yourself into more money down the line. That, that, that'll be really interesting to see what um, Daryl Morey maybe opts to do because of his creativity and whatnot just as a front office executive. We don't know what kind of terms the 76ers are willing to offer him, but we do know that he is in position to get money back this year. There is the max deal that's on the table. I'm with Gina. I don't think he's a max player. I don't think Philly thinks he's a max player, but I do think that Philadelphia sees the importance of keeping this core together, maybe adding some of the piece, some pieces around James Harden, around Tyrese Maxey, and of course around Joel Embiid to help this team get past the Eastern Conference semifinals, to get past the likes of Boston, Milwaukee, and of course Miami, because... Lord knows, uh, if you have another nine-point performance from James Harden in a Game 7, that's not going to cut it. And you can't necessarily bank on him not being that guy and showing up as that guy in key moments, but he does help you get to where you need to go. We'll see if they believe that and if that is what the route, if that's the route they go coming up here in free agency. Courtney Cronin, Mike Wells filling in for Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio. Joe and Amber presented by Progressive Insurance. Are you looking for a career path with flexibility, great pay, and benefits? Go to progressive.com slash careers and apply online today. Straight ahead, we heard Mike's top five fan bases earlier. I'm going to give you my next right here on ESPN Radio. Joe and Amber, the podcast. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Courtney Cronin, Mike Wells sitting in for Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Hope you're having a good Wednesday evening. NHL draft underway right now in Nashville. Connor Bedard has been selected. No surprise here by the Chicago Blackhawks the number one overall pick in the 2023 NHL draft. The NFL, not in season yet. We had the draft a couple months ago. We went through the pomp and circumstance of what's going down in Nashville right now. But those players, those rookies, have been fully ingratiated into these teams. All 32 are on break right now. We come back for training camp in just about a month. So since it's list season here on ESPN Radio, we have to get to it with our top five fan bases. From the top five NFL quarterbacks. Prescott has had a fantastic... Windows my whole career. You want to win the Super Bowl. To the top five NFL fan bases. We're ranking the top of everything in the NFL. This is ESPN Radio's Rank'em, number five. five fan bases. 
So we've done wide receivers, we've done running backs, and Mike gave you his top five a little bit ago. To recap, from five to one, top five fan bases, the Saints, the Packers at number four, Raiders at number three, Steelers at number two, the Buffalo Bills at number one. Here is my top five list, starting out with... Number five, the Buffalo Bills. So Mike had them at number one. I've got them on the opposite side of the spectrum here. We know that this team has been through the ringer four Super Bowls. You know, all of these bad things that happened to them in the 1990s, not being able to actually win the big one. The weather stinks for half of the season, yet these people show up and they show out every single time. You've got people jumping through tables, pouring ketchup and mustard and other disgusting things on each other. Anytime you turn on count down there's always going to be some segment from the parking lot when the bills have a home game and those fans are loyal when you are in a city that has the nfl and the nhl not saying that those are slim pickings by any stretch but similar crowds for similar sports and those bills fans are very reflective of that number four Pittsburgh has a national fan base unlike anything I think I've witnessed. I mean, you see the terrible towels and road venues across the United States. They are loyal. They're one of the, you know, they're a charter franchise for a reason. And because of that, because of the success that this team has had over the course of its existence and the stability that it's had over the course of its existence, specifically with Mike Tomlin here since 2006. I can't, I can't poke any holes in why the Steelers have a great fan base. For me, they're at number four. They travel well. They show up. And watching a game at Heinz Field is an experience. I recommend it to anybody who has not done it. The Steelers coming in at number four. Number three. Another charter franchise here. This might surprise some people, and I promise you it's not any home cooking from the Chicago Bears reporter for the NF- for NFL Nation for ESPN.com. I've got the Bears at number three. Why? Because this is a team that has not won a playoff game since 2010. Yet somehow, every Bears game that I go cover, especially at home, I see a sold-out Soldier Field. By and large, more times than not. On the road, this is a fan base that travels. National fan bases are so rare in today's, you know, in today, or I guess they're not as rare as they used to be because when you have, like, the Chiefs team that has won a lot of Super Bowls, they just happen to pop up everywhere, Chiefs fans, that is. But a fan base like the Bears, like the Steelers, that have been around for, you know, 100 years now, it shows you the loyalty factor that even when the team finishes 3-14, and 14, they're still the tops in the league in attendance. Number two. All right, this is not just for James Steele, but kind of just for James Steele because I like being on the show. I want to get invited back. The Chiefs have an awesome fan base. Arrowhead Stadium is one of the loudest I have ever been in, and it sounds like a jet engine at takeoff. Remember in, what was it, 2014? They uh, tie, they set the Guinness World Record for loudest stadium in the NFL, or loudest stadium, I think, in history with uh, its de- when they measured it on the decibel level. Anyways, Chiefs fans get loud. They are fun. Watching them you know, yell, home of the Chiefs during the national anthem is incredible. And they also have a really good team to cheer for. So that certainly helps bolster their case. Number one. 
this group of fans, they are their own animal, their own monster. Sometimes they get violent. I have witnessed it at the NFC Championship game in 2017. They say a lot of things that we cannot repeat here on radio. But the Philadelphia Eagles, like, sorry, the Eagles chant is awesome. Lincoln Financial Field, watching those fans get rowdy over their team is something you just have to experience. They are not everybody's cup of tea, and I can totally understand that. I can see James here on the Zoom shaking his head in disbelief because, well, they just played them in the Super Bowl. Like, your team won, so you shouldn't even be upset about this. But Eagles fans and how, like, just – how dreams and nightmares took over the NFL a couple years ago, and it's become this song cry for this franchise, this fan base, and they grease light poles after wins because they're so worried about their psycho fans climbing them. Like, I love it. I love a rabid fan base. They're nuts. There could be some others here on this list that would fall into that category, but for me, I've got the Philadelphia Eagles at number one. So fly, list, Eagles, fly. Thank you, Keyshawn, wherever you are. Um, From 5 to 1, I'm going to give you my list again. Bills, Steelers, Bears, Chiefs, Eagles at number 1. Mike, how did I do? Court, you know, I I love you like a sister, Court. You know, I I really do love you like a sister. Um, So you're you're getting bonus points with our our guy James Steele. You got the Eagles number 1 with our guy Mike Urinaga. You have your Chicago Bears at number 3. I wonder about the Bears, mind you. In all my years of covering the NFL, I've only been to Soldier Field once, and I was six months, you know, I was less than a year out of college. So that tells okay. you how long. It's been 20-plus years since I was at Soldier Field out of it. Um, I'll give it to you. I, I really can't question any of it. Um, Eagles fans, you're right. They will fight you. You can't bat. Listen, you're talking about fans who threw snowballs at Santa Claus back in the day. They booed him. When, you, yes, when they, when, when they were the vets. So I can't argue with that. I, I, honestly, I think you and I, we got a hell of a list. We I do. think the 10, 10 stadiums. James still, you got to be happy. I don't have the Chiefs, but Courtney took care of you. Yeah, but behind the Eagles, though? Come on. Fly, I- Eagles, fly. <laughs> Triple eight say ESPN eight 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 seven two nine three seven seven six. How did we do with our list? If remember, here's the rule that I have. If you are going to put another team's fan base on the top five, you got to take somebody off of my list or on Mike's list. To recap, Mike had from five to one: Saints, Packers, Raiders, Steelers, Bills. I had Bills, Steelers, Bears, Chiefs, and the Eagles. We're going to take your calls here on Joe and Amber, as always presented by Progressive Insurance, 888-729-3776. But some more pressing news in the world of the NFL. According to ESPN's Adam Schefter, there are multiple year-long suspensions being handed down this week due to gambling violations from a couple players. Isaiah Rogers, Colts punt returner, in that mix as well. Is this going to just be a normal thing in the NFL from now on, or might the league have to look at its gambling policy and its rules? We're going to get into that next here on Joe and Amber, ESPN Radio, ESPN app. Joe and Amber, the podcast. Joe and Amber, ESPN Radio, the ESPN app. Courtney Cronin, Mike Wells, filling in. For our friends who are off on vacation, at least I know Amber is. Joe and I are hosting KJM on Friday, so it should be good times had by everybody here on ESPN Radio. We've been talking about our top five list. 
which goes from wide receivers going to running backs to today, top five NFL fan bases. It's part of ESPN Radio's Rankem series. We're doing it throughout the week. I don't know what tomorrow is. I will be surprised when I end up sitting down for show prep and Friday too, but today Mike Wells and myself went through our top five NFL fan bases, mine from five to one. Bills, Steelers, Bears, Chiefs, Eagles. Mike, yours? I went Saints, Packers, Raiders, Steelers, and Bills Mafia. All right. Did we get it right? Did we get it wrong? Who should be on the list that's not there? Remember, be prepared to take somebody off our list if you're going to put somebody else on. 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Let's go out to Robert in St. Louis. Robert, you're on ESPN Radio. Hey, what's going on, y'all? Great show, man. Appreciate Great it. Show. Um, first of all, I'm a Saints fan. Who that? Thanks for yes, putting sir. On, on your list. Uh, one of the greatest fan bases out there. Um, and I like both of you all's lists. But, but, I see some. Eagles biasness in these lists. In fly, these Eagles lists, fly. I see, some, I see some Bills Mafia bias in the list. And I do not understand. Maybe it's because I don't know. I don't know either one of you personal resume. One of you all maybe an Eagles fan. Because how are the Cowboys? And I don't even like the Cowboys at all. I All my coworkers, they know I can't stand them because they all walk around in the cowboy gear all day and all night. I go to Florida, it's cowboys there. I go to, of course, you know Texas, it's cowboys there. You go to New York, you some cowboy fans there. There's cowboy fans everywhere. How are the cowboys not on your list? Robert, I was anticipating that this call would come up at some point. Uh, This question would come up at some point. So we appreciate the call here. The reason, I I can't speak for Mike. He's going to speak for himself. But the reason I did not put the Dallas Cowboys in their annoying fan base. And look, I say this as someone who covers the NFL. I don't have a team. I just cover it objectively. But that fan base And the way that they tout something that really isn't even theirs. They have not won a Super Bowl since the 1990s, yet they act every year like they are entitled to be in the conversation as a contender. That's why, really, that is why nationally it's Cowboys fans versus everybody else because they've turned off so many other fan bases with how they perceive themselves. Because if you ask a Cowboys fan, there's nothing better than their franchise. They will not. They they would be number one on everybody's list, on their own list, if they could write this thing out. Yeah, uh, that, that whole that whole America's team thing. You know that America's team has been played out. The Cowboys are not America's team anymore. And there's no Eagle bias. Um, and I'm not even a Philadelphia Eagles fan. And Buffalo, I just I just love Buffalo. So um, I'm just glad you like the Saints and you said who that. But, yeah, that Cowboys stuff, I'm just – they're, 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 they're in the past right now. That's what the Dallas Cowboys are. Frankly, and I know some people say, well, Courtney, you have the Chicago Bears. And, I, again, it is literally no bias of my own. I am not a Chicago Bears fan. I cover the team. I think it says something. When your team is god-awful, when you finish worse in the league and you end up with the number one overall pick, the fact that you have a fan base that continues to come 
game after game and spend a lot of money. We know that NFL tickets do not come cheap. You don't get discounts because your team is terrible. But when fan bases continue to show up, even to watch a bad product, and they, you know, I'm sure they rub some people the wrong way, but nationally, like, look how many primetime games the Bears have this year. It is a product that draws because of its brand recognition and because it's one of the charter franchises. They don't have this sort of hope this year with the potential franchise quarterback, a potential move out of Soldier Field into a palatial new stadium, and having had the number one overall pick, subsequently trading it for a team now that you know is going to try to capitalize on this window in the NFC North, the fan base is backing that up. Like right now in Chicago, that's where I am. We have Connor Bedard, who just got drafted by the Chicago Blackhawks. That's big news, but I promise you, when I'm hosting radio locally tomorrow morning at 7 a.m., in that first hour, we're talking Bears because that is what the people here want to hear about, even when the team is awful. And I think that really speaks to the fan base being as loyal as they are, which is why they were number three on my list. Triple eight, say ESPN, eight 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 seven two nine three seven seven six. Top five fan bases here in the NFL on Joe and Amber. Brandon in Indiana, what you got? How about this? You guys might not be surprised about this. How about the New England Patriots? All year, they all they deal with the cold almost every single January, and I mean December, January. I gotta pump them up. They have a good fan base from Tom Brady all the way to their quarterback they have now. I can't remember his name is, but they are still amazing fan base. I have to say, it's good. Hey, thank you. Listen, for the call. I, I, yeah, thank you for the call. I gotta tell you, the New England Patriots have a spoiled. Fan base. That's what they have. They are the spoiled, entitled kid who got everything growing up. That's what the New England Patriots fan base is. I spent plenty of times in Gillette Stadium, and I love the Boston area, area, but they are spoiled, entitled fans. I will never, ever, ever put the Patriots as a top fan base. I mean, earlier in the show, we were we heard from Robert Kraft about the expectations this year. They've missed the playoffs two times in the last three seasons, and it's like the world's ending. If they, you know, this team has been so spoiled with great quarterback play, and now that we're going through this period of transition to figure out what are the Patriots truly in the post Tom Brady era, and what does that set them up for in their next? you know, in their next era with Bill Belichick or maybe without Bill Belichick, the idea that their fan base like has to quote unquote suffer through these years. Oh, spare me. You've only won six titles. I don't think that's much, there's much suffering there, but they, I mean, Gillette stadium's cool. I like going to Foxborough. It's, you know, a neat trip to Massachusetts. I typically fly into Providence. Um, I was there for a Monday night game this past year and it was really neat. Uh, really cool stadium, cool environment too in Foxborough. Alex in Chicago, you're on Joe and Amber. Yeah, Mike, I'm going to have to kick off the Saints from your list, and I'm going to have to throw the Cleveland Browns in there. I think a lot of people forget that Art Modell moved the now our Ravens, which used to be Browns, to Baltimore in the late 90s, and they happened to win some championships. The Browns and the Bills are the only two teams that should be on this list because they have never won a championship, but they get support every year. You have grown men wearing dog masks to games. Alex, thanks for the call. You also have people wearing bags over their head. I know akin to Jets fans have done that too. Again, these are subjective lists. You can make an argument for 
frankly, any fan base other than Jacksonville. I think that that's fair. I think that nobody's going to argue. Nobody's calling in right now uh, saying that Jacksonville needs to be on our list somewhere. Browns fans, the dog pound is a really cool area. Like, you don't really find too many, like, I, I wouldn't call it, like, there's fan sections. Like, what do you, what would you call the black hole or the dog pound? It's not a student section, but that's the first thing that comes to mind. Like, what do you call those areas at stadiums that are dedicated fan groups that go to the game every week, they're season ticket holders most time, and they sit in that respective area? Man, I, I, got, I got to give our man Alex, it was Alex, right? I give yep. him props. I completely forgot about the dog pound. Um, you know, that, again, you know, there's probably a good – 10 fan bases you can really say are great ones and i didn't even think about the cleveland Browns. so alex you follow courtney's rule very well you took one team off Appreciate and that. added another team to the list and it's a team that i can't i can't even say alex what in the world are you talking about because the dog pound despite how bad the browns have been continue they continue to show up and you know, like wear a mask, or if they're if they're win- I mean, excuse me, wear bags over their head, or if they're winning, they're showing support for them. So that's a good one. I find the fan bases who have long suffered through bad seasons, like the Browns have, and even recently, last year, fell way short of expectations. Of course, there was a Deshaun Watson suspension in there, which derailed what they wanted to do on the field and why they finished you know, out of the playoffs. But I find fan bases who have had to sit through years of really, really poor decisions made by the franchise, by the front office, by the coaching staff, the turnover, and those fans who come back year after year and buy season tickets – it's um, it's truly remarkable. People willing to spend their money on something that continues to break their heart. Got time for one more here, more on a more of a philosophical idea. Jake in Oklahoma, tell me where the best fan bases are located. Yeah, can you hear me? Okay, we've got gotcha. you. All right. No, I just thought that the best the best fan bases are the smallest uh, populations where there's. A team. I mean, it's not very fair to say that Chicago's the third or second, second best or third best. Whenever that's the third largest population in the United States, so that was that's all I had to say. Okay, I think that fan bases in small markets. So you can throw a Buffalo in there, Green Bay. Like, it's not to say that you know that the fan bases are good there because that's the only thing that those people have. Because obviously, I'm not saying sports are the end all be all. But I do find that when there aren't as many options, fans do tend to they tend to have a stronger fan base from you know that perspective. Where if it's the only show in town, it's probably the only thing you're rooting for. Especially if there's, you know, like Buffalo, two sports, football and hockey, mm-hmm. Kansas City, just the Chiefs, essentially. You know, you got the University of Kansas nearby, you got the Kansas City Royals, but, you know, they don't have the four major sports. Yep. And I'm not knocking Chicago or Philadelphia or, you know, a Dallas or whatnot or, or an L.A. They have all those sports out there. But he, he does make a great point. Small market ones, when you don't have many options, you're going to show support for the franchise franchises. But the larger cities do have that great support too. All right, coming up, more of your calls on this. Plus, are gambling suspensions in the NFL going to become a normal thing? We're going to talk about that next here. Joe and Amber, ESPN Radio. Joe and Amber, the podcast. Oh, 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 oh,
A handful of NFL players, including Indianapolis Colts cornerback and return specialist Isaiah Rogers, are expected to receive season-long suspensions this week for violation of the NFL's policy on gambling. The bombshell story that came out today from ESPN's Adam Schefter We'll see when those suspensions are handed down, but there's a number of players here that are involved. Quintez Cephas, C.J. Moore, Stanley Berryhill, and, of course, Isaiah Rogers, all in found in violation by the NFL of the gambling policy. And the NFL showing Mike Wells that they are not playing around. This is, this is Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Courtney Crown and Mike Wells filling in for the guys. And I... I remember when this news came down initially, back in April, when we found out about the four players, which included former first-round pick Jamison Williams, who did not bet on the NFL, but bet on college sports in the in an NFL facility, somewhere on NFL facility pr- property of the Detroit Lions. A lot of gray area there, but we knew that there was this was just the tip of the iceberg, that more was coming down the pipeline. And today we find out the NFL – after going into crisis mode during the offseason, trying to force through more education into, into locker rooms with NFLPA representatives coming out, league representatives coming out to teach what the rules are on gambling. Because so many players say, hey, we had no idea this was a rule. We had no idea that was a rule. Now the NFL is saying, via its actions, we have taught you what you need to know, and if you violate these rules once again, there's going to be no sort of do-over here with the consequences, and very clearly they're taking this seriously with the one-year-long suspension that is expected to be handed down to a handful of players this week. You know, with, with the Schefter report, Adam Schefter report today about the expected year-long suspension, basically what the NFL is saying, you see what we just did to these players? Take note of it because mm-hmm. – we will do the same to you, potentially a longer suspension. So essentially, these guys right here, they were basically the guinea pigs of all the guinea pigs of what the league is going to do as far as when players decide to gamble. And like, there's no more gray area. You see the rules. Don't try. Don't put yourself in position to where you can say, "I didn't know. I didn't know X, Y, or Z." No, the NFL says, "Hey, we laid it out for you. You saw what happened to the guys, to the players that were suspended before. So there's not going to be any kind of wiggle room." And I, I like it. I like that the NFL basically came out and they're they're laying the hammer. They are putting the hammer to this situation. So it, with the attempt of making sure it does not happen again going so forward. So throughout the spring, OTAs and minicamp. Those of us who, you know, are covering teams on a daily basis had a chance to talk to some players about what's going on in the locker room as far as the education element, what the rules are, what you knew was a rule and what you didn't. And I thought one thing that was interesting, I cover the Chicago Bears, so tight end Cole Komet said that there was there were a lot of rules that they didn't know and then there was nuance within rules that they did not know. He brought up an example that their PA rep in a team meeting said, hey, if you're like throwing out scenarios here, if you're hypothetical, I don't think many people would be going to a casino the night before a game. But if you are, say, playing a game in Las Vegas, can you go to a casino? Can you go to a sports book before a game? And the answer of that is no. And that plays into one of the league's rules that during the season, you cannot enter a sports book during the season. Does that mean you can't enter and stand there? Or does that mean like you can't enter and place a bet? 
there's a lot of gray area here still in these six rules that the NFL is trying to enforce trying to enforce this season. This will be part of an ongoing process throughout training camp. All rookies are going to be required to, you know, take part of the education process here and get up to date on it. But the six rules the NFL is really harping on. Number one, the obvious one, do not bet on the NFL. Number two, do not gamble at your team's facility while traveling for a road game or staying at a team hotel. That's where the gray area came in with Jamison Williams and Stanley Berryhill. They did not bet on the NFL, Mike but they were suspended six games each for mobile betting that occurred at the Lions facility in Detroit. Number three, don't have someone bet for you. Do not share team information, number four. Number five, don't don't enter a sports book during the season. Number six, do not play daily fantasy football. I still see gray area in these rules, and I do not think that this wake-up call, which is what it is, because these are everyday sort of players, the Isaiah Rogers, for example, a six-round pick. He's not somebody who is like Calvin Ridley, which I honestly think kind of went under the radar. Players saw it. He was the only player at the time that was suspended, and he's a first-round pick. There's a longer leash for first-round picks than there is a depth player that they can replace easily, and if you are suspended for a year, chances are teams are not going to be waiting around for you to come back to reinstate you when they can go find your replacement rather quickly and rather cheaply. Yeah, I mean, you're the the, the lower end roster guys are definitely replaceable. I live in Indianapolis. I used to cover the Indianapolis Colts. I was around when Isaiah Rogers got drafted, and I still talk to a number of people in the Colts organization, the media here in town. And let's just say there's not a lot of panic over it. Yes, the Colts are short as far as depth goes at cornerback, but it's not like Isaiah Rodgers was going to be, you know, he's labeled as the next Jalen Ramsey or something. Mm -hmm. He's not that number one cornerback. He's just a player who is replaceable, and that's what the Colts are going to do. I'd be shocked if Isaiah Rodgers, you know, ever played another snap for the Indianapolis Colts again. Once he, he returns from that year long suspension. suspended for a whole year along with several others. Those suspensions, according to Adam Schefter, set to come down this week. Triple eight say ESPN. We want to take a couple of your calls here before we head you into Freddie and Fitzsimmons. We're talking about the top five fan bases in the NFL. Do you agree with our list that we put out? Do you not? Sean in Tennessee, you're on ESPN radio. All right. How about we go oh, out? Yeah, I'm here. Sorry. Sh- I'm Sean, here. Sean, uh, you got about 30 seconds here. Which fan base did <laughs> we right. leave off the list? Uh, first of all, I was going to say the dog pound as well. You have to throw in the dog pound. But also, I don't know how you can have a list for the fan base. You got the 12th man. They got the name for the 12th man for the reason. It's like having a 12th man on the field because their fans are so into the game and loud and obnoxious almost. Sean, I'll be honest. They were number six on my list. That place, you know, whenever you go out to a game in Seattle, it gets loud. I just felt like my list, it had some more rowdy, rowdier fans. I think Seattle fans, honestly, are very respectful and maybe that makes them kind of fall into the radar, but that place is loud when they raise the flag pregame. It is so cool to watch, Mike. Yeah, it is. Uh, listen, top ten, but definitely not in my top five, Sean. Uh, so don't ever try to disrespect my list again, Sean. I, I don't think anybody was disrespecting your list. I think both of our lists are wonderful. I can't wait for the next time. This has been the Joe and Amber podcast. You can listen to Joe and Amber live weeknights from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern. Plus, you can listen on the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, or on your smart speaker. Joe and Amber, the podcast.